0: Tech Fan Podcast number three hundred and sixty-two. I am Tim Robertson. Hey, David.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: I am good. I am good. It's foggy. Is it a sleepy
1: Sunday morning where you are.
0: It is. It's seven o'clock in the morning here. Everyone else is still sleeping. I am, of course. I've been up since five. Uh, pretty common time for me to wake up. To be honest, that's not early for me. That's normal time.
1: That's crazy for me. Is it? Yeah, I like sleeping.
0: Uh, I like sleeping too, but my body at around five o'clock in the morning says, yeah, get your butt up, time to get going, <laughs> you Got things to do, even if I have nothing to do.
1: So I've, this week I've been on a train course, so I've had to get up, um, oh, well, I was local to everything, so I could get up about seven and kind of hit, hit everything, seven thirty. Um, but we would start studying at eight o'clock and we would go pretty much straight through with an hour for lunch till seven in the evening. Uh, and that was that was tough. Isn't that it? Made me tired.
0: Yeah. Well, isn't it weird that science still doesn't know why we need sleep? There's speculation. There's yeah. hypothesis, but we don't know why mammals need sleep.
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's strange, and, and you know, I think pretty much you know, is it is it all isn't it? I mean, mammals obviously we all mammals sleep like we do, but um, I think quite a lot of um, Animals in in other parts of the animal kingdom also sleep.
0: Yes, I know sharks sleep, but they continue to swim when they're sleeping. Yeah, uh, I don't. It's amazing that we don't know why, and yeah. more importantly, why we dream. Why our brains continue to invent scenarios while the rest of us is dormant? It's odd.
1: I know. Uh, I know some people don't really remember their dreams. I do. I have very vivid dreams, and I mostly remember quite a lot of them. Of course, I wouldn't remember the ones I've forgotten. <laughs> I suppose. What I'm saying is I can wake up in the morning and uh, recount elements from my dreams, which I know a lot of people can't do.
0: Uh, I'm probably... I I can remember maybe 2% of my dreams when I wake up, and and only if I wake up in the midst of the dream. Yeah. Or I'll remember... It was about this, but no specifics. Yeah. No, I never dreamed the lottery numbers are anything useful, Mm-mm. which is a shame. Yeah, because you would think, you know, that I'm going to play those numbers totally. Uh, if I dreamt lottery numbers, I certainly would play them. Oh, you'd have to. You'd be an idiot if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how Any long would you I- play them? Because maybe well. the dream isn't based on now, but future now. Well, I probably have to play them forever then. I went down a, um, as I am wont to do, a rabbit hole, if you will, on YouTube. Right. And we all do that occasionally. Mine was uh, Neil Tyson, basically looking at different science videos, and this fascinating, especially the one that really kind of captured my imagination if you will is uh, talk about the fourth dimension and I found it fascinating
1: yeah it um, pretty much very quite quickly can make your brain hurt all of that stuff but uh, but it is very interesting there's a lot of you kind of assume that you with with science we kind of know how the world works but it turns out that when you get really small or um, really far away or in particular areas of deep gravity everything everything we know just stops working exactly or, or works completely differently uh, to produce the outcome that we that we expect
0: i liked his analogy he had an analogy of um a life form that lives in two dimensions everything is flat mm-hmm. and there's a giant object in the way and it cannot figure out what this thing is So it's walking along its flat plane and this dot appears and this dot grows larger and larger and larger until the circumference is perfect round circumference the whole time, but it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it disappears. Well, what was that? Well, it was this, a three dimensional sphere, like a balloon passing through his two dimensional space, right? he doesn't have any frame of reference to what was that thing because yeah. he cannot comprehend 3d. Well, mm-hmm. what about 4D, the fourth dimension? We can't comprehend yep. that. So that was, that's the kind of thing that I toss and turn sometimes at night thinking about, or the fact that, and it kind of parallels that we are 1% different than a monkey in DNA, right? Yeah. An ape. What's 1% above us? So when we talk about have aliens been here and blah, 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 if they have, they're so far advanced that (laughs) we probably can't even comprehend what they are, let alone see them. They could live in a whole different dimension to them. We're just these little things moving around. We can't comprehend that. We're not smart enough.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the, um, that's the, the worry really is that if, if aliens did ever come here, would they even recognize us as equivalent intelligent life forms? Because to us, they might just look at the all the life on the planet and go, "Well, it's all kind of dumb animals," uh, and and you know, behave accordingly. They basically sweep us out the way like you and I might sweep, uh, you know, a cockroach or an ant that was crawling across a counter.
0: Yes, but if they are a higher intelligence, they would recognize that of the species we are the higher intelligence simply because of the constructs that we make.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't that does well. Y- yes and no. I mean I
0: know ants make constructs, th- constructs as well. Yeah,
1: termites make constructs. Um they they the point is is we assume with a higher intelligence that <laughs> that we would be on the same kind of rung of intelligence as they are, that they would recognise us as, as even perhaps uh, very primitive, but as as kindred spirits and there's an equal chance that higher intelligence they go, Oh yeah, down lower down the scale, that doesn't matter. Right. Most of those most of those things die out. Yeah. Or they all die out and we don't know that they all die out because we're stuck in our existence and we don't know that, that all intelligences like ours don't survive. And well, so they may consider it completely unimportant. Well, that's, I mean, that's if you've the got, other aspect if you've got, right there. If you've got termites in your house, yeah, nobody thinks twice about exterminating them to get right. rid of The termites are a pest, uh, you know, uh, except the, perhaps the odd entomologist who recognizes them for the inherent value that they have. But if, somebody, if a higher intelligence comes along and they want to do something with our solar system, with our planet – um, I think it's presumptuous of us to assume that they would think that we are worth doing anything with apart from just sweeping out the way.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's uh, We're inconsequential to a higher... That's the fear. Because, of course, uh, we're humans and we could set ourselves the height of evolved intelligence on this planet, which is true. Uh, at least we assume so. We don't know that that's true. Uh, there could be fourth dimensional life on this planet. and We'd have no way of understanding it, um, but we have an overinflated sense of importance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which may not. So be So, on deserved. that positive
1: note, thanks very much, everyone. Well.
0: we'll speak to you next week.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it's let's been...
1: let's get into some of our overinflated importance, shall we?
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let, let's start with, uh, the story that you posted now that net net neutrality has kind of come to an end and carriers yeah. have decided, Hey, we can throttle people now and charge them more money for, you know, access. Uh, they did exactly this. Uh, Verizon throttled a fire department's unlimited data plan during the California wildfires.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I've, dealt, I've dealt with these sorts of systems before. In fact, I've been working on projects on something like this quite recently. So plenty of fire um, emergency vehicles, not just fire, they have uh, data modems on board that allow the systems on the fire truck or the ambulance, whatever it is, to talk back to base and receive messages and maps and directions and all sorts of things that are useful in an emergency situation. Um, And basically, yeah, Santa Clara Fire Department has been fighting a major wildfire. One of these, um, you know, this part of this Mendocino complex fire that's been going on in California. It's the largest in history. And they kept finding that some of their vehicles would be um, throttled... And, and not just throttled down where uh, performance was slow, it was basically throttled down to where performance just didn't happen right it was like it was like going back to dial up speeds.
0: data rates uh, had been reduced to one to two hundred or less yeah
1: now of course, most fire departments, most large organizations, they have a business arrangement with a provider, in this case, the pro- provider is Verizon, so they spent some time trying to get hold of their um, account representative um lots of emails flying back and forth and basically what came back from verizon was oh yeah sorry about that but you know your plan which we told you was unlimited is not really unlimited um and so the best thing for you to do do this is uh you know, we'll, to, we'll 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 turn this off for you recognizing you're a problem which they did do and immediately then it came back um you know best thing is to just switch plan to something that's much more expensive then you'll get real unlimited um, and that's what they ended up having to do. Well, good on um,
0: Verizon. You know, they're a business. their Their job is to make money. And to yeah. hell if people are burning up alive and their homes are being destroyed. They ne- they need to get the department on a higher data plan. That's what's important.
1: Well, yeah, you know, uh, they've 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 got to uh, they've got to make sure that um, they extract maximum value out of their customers. And certainly, you know, customers are different. Need that's a prime that's a prime um, billing upgrade opportunity, isn't it?
0: Yep. You know, um, this uh, is, uh, and,
1: you know, Verizon has been dancing on the head of a pin of this ever since because, you know, this is this is a typical example of people in Verizon following Verizon corporate policy, which is under no circumstances do you say, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. Yeah, there's an awful lot of language here about, oh, we didn't, we you know, the mistake we made was not communicating to the customer exactly what their plan entailed and this, that and the other. no. Yeah, this is not Joe Blow ringing up saying, oh, I want unlimited. For a start of all, don't sell don't, any company. Don't sell anything unlimited if it is actually limited. Yeah, sell it as limited plus or high, uh, high capacity. Don't ever sell it as unlimited unless it really is unlimited. Yeah. And then the second thing is, yeah, this is not this is not a situation where this is a uh, a public consumer going and so, and then and then ringing up when it stops working and going I'm really important I must have I must have no this is a fire department and they went through a government process and they were known to Verizon to be a government a government uh, or a a civil emergency department uh, and i'm quite sure during the conversations about what they needed for these vehicles they said you know what we need to have unlimited data for these these ve- these vehicles are going to be uh, used in emergency situations lives will be at risk yeah under no circumstances must we start having to deal with you in the middle of a crisis about billing or anything like that yeah verizon just sticks them on their usual crap and then and then kind of um gets all gets all sniffy when they get caught out by it so this is this is generated quite a lot of publicity and verizon are now starting to backtrack on uh, some of the things they originally said um the story i link to here is not the only story about this now ars technica has had several others on it um and you know the the it's the typical thing of of people saying yeah you know, it, it went from they said right you're on the 3799 plan the best thing to do, you could do, is move to a thirty nine ninety nine plan to get the data speeds restored on this device. And then when it went off again, they said, "Well, really, what you need to do is be on the hundred dollar a month plan." Yep. You
0: know. And this is and, per uh, vehicle. This isn't like, oh, yeah. they're paying this. Well, what's the big deal? This is per vehicle, or well, more importantly, per device, because one yeah. vehicle could have multiple devices. It could have different yeah. computers inside or tablets, and each one has its own data plan. So you're talking about. Effective blackmail by a company like Verizon, who a lot of people have been arguing, Verizon, AT and T, Comcast, anybody who provides uh, truly high speed internet access should be regulated like a utility. For instance, you would not throttle someone's ability to use water during a fire. Water is a utility; uh, the prices are controlled by the government. Um, you wouldn't do that, you know, during an emergency you don't limit electricity to certain communities because they didn't pay their bill. That doesn't happen. Um, Should data therefore be considered a utility? No. Some people think, well, of course not. It's you, you got to pay for data. It's well, wait a minute. We've moved our entire Western infrastructure to VoIP and data infrastructure that uses the internet. And this is a prime example of, well, maybe it should be a utility. Maybe it should be truly unlimited. There's never, ever any throttling. You just pay your your bandwidth bill, if you will, and it's truly unlimited. There's no giving higher priority to some packets of information over another because of commercial considerations. That should be how it works. Yeah. But it's uh, not.
1: And, yeah, and Verizon – has said this is nothing to do with net neutrality because this is about throttling it 's not about prioritization of data, which is it 's a, it's a little bit of a specious argument because the the rea- the outcome is the same yep. whether it 's about throughput or whether it 's about um, prioritization. The point is they do this because they know they can mm-hmm. this ninety nine dollar a month plan they suggested they move to doesn't still doesn't give you unlimited data it gives you a data cap and then after that you've got to pay eight dollars per gigabyte on top yeah all it does is it stops them from throttling the throughput right yeah what they need to do is and and you know we we have in my company we have a we have a data bucket yeah, we we have a notional three four gigabyte per per device. And we have thirty five devices, something like that. But it's not it's not locked to each device. Yeah, it's spread over all of them. So if if somebody uses half a gigabyte, and some then, and that means somebody else can use six. Yeah, and basically the whole thing is a bucket, and we get a, we get a warning when we get get within eighty percent of our bucket, and when we get to the end of the bucket, the da- the data doesn't stop. We just get charged more. Yeah. Now, those are the sorts of deals that government departments who are deploying lots of different devices in lo- lots of different places should be placed on, and that's what the what Verizon should be should be uh, putting them on but they won't do that because they're more economical for the customer they don't make verizon as much money verizon and all the companies in america unfortunately the reason you uh, your internet is so expensive is because they thrive on this minutiae of the billing stuff oh you're on the wrong account oh you're on the wrong plan oh we we sorry we we, we offered you that plan but it was only promotional it's gone away now yep. it's basically it's a shell game to try and extract as much money as possible from their subscribers, they treat you like dirt. They absolutely do. Yeah, and, you know, and you don't have regu- you don't have strong regulation here in the we UK. We have now. much, yeah, we have much stronger regulation of the telecoms industry, <laughs> and hey, we got much much better prices. It's not yeah. perfect; it never it's never perfect, but um, yeah, much much better prices. And I know from working with the UK emergency services, they would never have this problem. Never, because the contracts that the emergency services are are offered by the uh, carriers in the UK basically recognize that they're an emergency services customer, and the first thing written into the contract is, you will never, ever cut us off or cut us down over a billing problem.
0: That's right, and that's how it should be. I mean, we're talking about emergency responders here, and you're talking about uh, a truck that's deploying the firefighters, to where they're getting flare-ups and where people are in mortal danger. And that data, by Verizon's greedy corporate culture, says, nah, you got to pay us more. Yeah. We, do, we oh, don't, we um, don't what, really what, care. You've
1: got to about email your... us to ask us if pay us more. In the meantime, a couple of your firefighters die in the field. Yeah. Well, sucks to be you.
0: Yep. guess you should have been on the higher data plan. So it's disgusting. Uh, it's emblematic of what's going on in the world right now, at least in the U S and these types of articles can shed light to it. This podcast can shed light on it. Nothing's going to change until, um, the leadership of the United States changes and recognizes that, you know what, there's more important things in this country than a company's profit line bottom line. Um, but unfortunately we don't have those. Uh, we don't have the people in power right now that really care about people they care about money um yeah and
1: and you have lobbyists that can influence the regulator and that's yeah that's
0: that's wrong and don't get me wrong this isn't uh, an anti republican thing because there are corporate democrats that take the lobbying money from those companies as well and the, and they're happy to support bills um
1: well yeah we've had we've had you've I'm given, if uh, forgetting where you are now, you had eight years of a democratic president. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and these um, policies
0: didn't start overnight. They didn't start yeah, when Trump exactly. came into office.
1: You know, the FCC would, was capable of dealing with these things in the eight years prior, yeah. and um, they this particular problem wasn't dealt with.
0: No, you know. because they they didn't care then. They don't care now. It's not about the the best benefit to the American people. It's about the best benefit to corporate donors, yep, and until we get business out of politics, which is never going to happen, these are the kind of things that's until we get actual leaders who care about the the population and the well being of the people, nothing will ever change hmm. so anyways, enough of my high horse um, but not really <laughs> <laughs> because it just it. These kind of things have always kind of ticked me off, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh What has changed, David, is the cost of high-end cell phones. Yeah. You listed, uh and and here's the thing. I've talked about this in the past um, with different people about how, well, the, the article is in less than a year, the $1,000 smartphone has become entirely normal. But I would suggest that, this is just another example of what Apple invented in 2007. Well, they didn't invent it in 2007. They released it in 2007. That's the iPhone. Mm-hmm. What I would suggest is if you look at the cell phone market prior to Apple getting into it with the iPhone, it was totally a race to the bottom. And by that, I mean... You weren't buying phones. You were buying these little devices that would allow you to make telephone calls. You were really buying a data plan, data not being necessarily internet data, but voice data, and voice
1: and, and text. And text that was what everyone was doing back then.
0: Yep. And so you would sign up for this plan that would cost you, say, forty bucks a month, and they would essentially give you a little flip phone for free. Maybe it was maybe you had to spend I don't know a hundred bucks and you get a really nice one like a Razor. Uh, but most people got the little, the, it, effectively, a one penny, one cent phone. A little cheap, I don't know, Motorola phone. They had the worst camera in the world in it. A terrible screen. But you can make phone calls on it. And that's what you were buying. It was a race to the bottom. Yeah, the they, hardware they can, was incidental.
1: Yeah, the hardware, the key things in the hardware back then was was battery life um size for some people not for others um and that was a bit because pretty pretty much it because effectively what the what they all did and the way they all did it was virtually the same
0: yeah and they looked cool you like like the razor was a big deal because it was thin and it looked cool it was a cool looking phone but it didn't really do anything more than just the cheap flip phone did yeah well apple changed all that with the iphone And they had a premium price for this device. And some people, Oh, that's never going to work. What's a computer company know about making telephones? And they don't know anything about the cell phone industry. This is a joke and terrible idea. And it's going to be a huge failure, uh, regardless of the fact that they had already reinvented the entire music industry with the iPad, not just portable players, but how you acquire your music. They seem to have forgotten that lesson. Um, and before that, of course, how you interact with computers and buy software and the type of things you can do with computers. They disrupted many, 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 many industries. They seem to have forgotten that too. Or conveniently thought that, well, that doesn't apply to you know, the cell phone market. Well, it did. So Apple came out with a premium product, and people were willing to pay more for a better product. I think the $1,000 cell phone, or and going beyond it now with some of the Samsung ones that are coming out, is just further uh, taking that forward because the cell phone market is less of a cell phone and more of a portable computer that you can also talk to people on.
1: Exactly, I mean that's that's truly what the smartphone is. It is a computer, a pocket computer. Um, I, 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 th- I think. I mean, a thousand dollars is is kind of a. It, it's a
0: it's a psychological it, it's a psychological threshold.
1: point exactly yeah and and obviously Apple breached it with the iPhone ten um, and a, at the time a lot of people said people aren't going to buy this phone it's innovative with technologies that may not work that well oh by the way it's a thousand dollars that's too expensive um, and they were proved wrong because the iPhone ten is selling very very well I think part of the problem is actually if you look at the price differential between the iPhone eight and the iPhone ten. It's not actually that large. Um, you know, once you're spending over $500, $600, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that much of a stretch. If you're paying, se- like, well, after taxes and everything like you're paying $750, 800 for a phone. Yep. It's not that much of a stretch to say, well, you know what, I'll put in the extra 200 and go over 1000
0: well, Yeah, but he, the thing is, no. it's not so much that people plunk down $1,000 for a phone in one go. It's that they decide, hey, I want to spend forty nine ninety nine or 39 a month for my phone. Well, I'll, I'll well, but- go with the $10 extra one because it, it's a larger capacity, it's a bigger screen, it's a better screen. It's incidental almost to those people who are buying on a monthly basis that the phone is $1,000.
1: Well, th- I mean, that's actually a key point, point of this is the fact that these phones are currently available without any interest you don't you can borrow the money over two years to buy them yep. but you don't have to pay any interest charges on that um that makes a big difference because obviously if you're if you're there are some people who uh, and quite rightly i and I, I respect these people there are some people who no matter what it is or what it costs or how much they want it they will never borrow money for it some people don't like borrowing money they you know they borrow money as little as possible and then there are plenty of other people who are quite happy to borrow money and most of us do that. Most of us are quite happy to put money on a credit card, and we are effectively borrowing money until we pay it off. Yes. Yeah? And the better people among us pay it off straight away, and the worse people among us don't. Um, so th- with that mentality, it's quite easy to say I'm going to – I think a lot of people – if you said, right, well, you can have something for $1,000, $1, um, but you don't have to pay it up front. You spread the cost over two years. A lot of people would go for that deal. Sure. Even though you're still spending $1,000. Well, you're
0: spending more than 1000 at that point because, of course, there's going to be interest on that.
1: Well, yeah, the point is with these phones is there isn't any interest. If you go through Apple's plan for the iPhone X, you don't pay any interest.
0: Correct. Yeah?
1: Um I don't know with the uh, the ga- Galaxy Note 9 is the one they're talking about here. I don't know whether it's the same for buying um Samsung phones. Probably. Uh, whether you pay interest or not. I don't think you do because I think, you know, again, the companies want they want to sell you a nice phone and but they they really want your data business. Yep. Uh, and and one of the brilliant things about uh, smartphones is that they consume a lot more data than those old phones did uh, and goes back to the previous story we are talking about. Yep. The companies want to be able to get you on a nice big fat data plan and if you use it all up and start paying over his charges or uh, have to pay your way up throttling everything all the better for them. It's all mm-hmm. revenue because let's face it the the, the um, the, you know, the, the dirty secret of the cell phone industry is they've already paid for these networks. They're not doing huge amounts of investment at this point. It's a sunk cost, so everything they generate is just pure revenue.
0: And, and most yeah, of those costs at the time were um, a, a whole lot of it was covered by taxpayer money.
1: Well, this is this is the thing. I mean, I, I I presume most of the cell phone companies carry a certain amount of debt, and so they have to offset their revenue against debt. But you know, the way modern finance works is that with share price. Um, things and everything like that is that actually carrying them out that debt as a corporation probably isn't too much of a big deal. No. So, you know, they, but, yes, they obviously they want to maximize revenue per customer, and smartphones help them do that. So they're quite happy to, so you want to uh, basically give give one to you interest-free over two, three years, because the other thing as well is that locks you into your contract.
0: Yep. Yep, you know, you're a guaranteed Because any time
1: you want to switch to a different supplier – Well, at that point, you're going to have to pay back whatever you still owe on the phone.
0: I just did that with Brittany. She, uh, as you know, doesn't live at home anymore. Or I don't know if you did know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Brittany doesn't live at home. We're down to two kids in the house. And even though Cole's only 10, I'm hoping that, you know, soon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Just kidding for future Cole, who eventually misses his passed away father and goes back and listens to... (laughs) (laughs) 2,000 hours worth of audio content, poor guy. Um, She decided that she wanted to get a new phone, but, you know, she was on my AT&T plan, Julie and I's AT&T plan, but she wanted to get a phone on her own. So that's fine. Um, She wanted to transfer her phone number, though, to the new carrier. So I pull up our AT&T contract and she had a few months left before that phone was paid off. So to drop that line and transfer it for her, I had to then pay off her, at the time, year and a half old iPhone. It was a mm-hmm. 5S. Or right. maybe a, maybe it was the other one, the SE maybe. It's one of the two. I think it might have been an SE. Okay. And so it cost me 100 bucks to pay it off. Yeah, yeah 115 bucks. I just paid the... In one go just pay it off they said well we yeah. can we can keep this on here until it pays itself off but we can still cancel that line we can just basically take that money and just um put it on on the data plan i said "No, nah, yeah. just here's my credit card pay it off right now yeah
1: then you know where you are
0: <clears throat> so the only phones i'm actually right now technically paying for is julie's and brooks um because i did get that as part of a plan my phone, the iPhone 8 Plus, I just paid cash for. Yeah. You know, I, I just bought the phone itself. And, yeah, it cost me you know, almost 1000 bucks, which is the ouch. Yeah. But that money's then gone, and my monthly bill is down. But That's the, right. But the funny thing is, the, my monthly bill at AT&T isn't as low as I would think it would be. After dropping two physical payment for phones... But then again, my 6 Plus had been paid off for a while. They, were, they had been trying to get me to upgrade my phone for a very long time. Hey, your phone is eligible for an upgrade. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> sure it I is. Love that. I love that terminology. Eligible for an upgrade. Mm-hmm. That means that you have an opportunity to pay as money for a brand new phone. That's right. <laughs> upgrade implies that they're going to give you something. Yep.
0: <laughs> and, you know, here's the funny thing. The, up until the 6 Plus that I just relatively recently about a less than a year ago upgraded from, I think it was December or something that I got my eight plus I'd have to go back and listen to a tech fan to figure it out. Um, I was quite happy with that phone. It was fast enough for everything that I was doing. Uh, the screen was great. It took great pictures, but I was not tempted by the six S plus or the seven or, you know, it yeah. wasn't until the iPhone 10 and the eight plus came out that I was like, you know, that is a better screen. You know, it is a lot better of a picture and that would help my job scanning barcodes on trade in cars and stuff like that. It just yeah. make it faster and that would be nice. So that's why I upgraded and that. And I was getting to slow down because of the stupid battery, mm-hmm. but I didn't need to update Apple and I think probably Android as well are at the point now where it's got to be significant to really get people to upgrade. And that's a problem for the AT&Ts and the Verizons because uh, if their phones are good enough, they're not going to upgrade and I'm not going to make as much money. What can we do? Hmm, we can rely on our old friend throttling.
1: Yeah, there is that. There certainly is that. Though I don't know how they would tie the throttling to... Well, new, now, that, devices.
0: now that net neutrality is gone, um, it's not necessarily throttling. It's effectively the same as you were saying. It's, hey, yes, you're getting slowed down trying to watch YouTube videos because it's, you know, you get to a certain point in the video and it just kind of sits there for a little bit until the video yeah. catches up with it. it. You know, if you go to this other data plan, you don't have to worry about that.
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, public service announcement. Don't to anybody don't watch youtube videos on your data plan no. make sure you do it on wi-fi yes because it burns through that it thing. burns
0: it really quickly yeah uh, i generally yeah. don't watch any videos on my phone or my ipad unless i'm on a wi-fi network yeah um my I, here's another tip if you have a teenager you can go into the settings and turn off data they can still text they can still make phone calls. They just don't have access to data when they're not home or on a Wi-Fi network. I yeah. did that to Brooke and she would love to be able to do Snapchat and stuff like that when she's not home or on a Wi-Fi network, but she didn't have the ability to do that because I know what she does. She has a group of friends that she'll record or live stream, if you will, playing the guitar or drums and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're doing the same thing. So they're, they're video conferencing, making music and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. But if she was doing that on my data plan, I would be out of data in a week.
1: Yeah. So we, we don't have a pooled data plan. Um, uh, and Alexander is on a cheap, um, I think it's a gigabyte a month plan. Yeah, you told about, us about those. Yeah, yeah, It's about 12 pounds. So basically, if he, uses it, if he uses it up, he can. Look, I've said to him, said, if you all watch YouTube in the car. That's when he tends to use his phone in the back of the car. Have you want to watch YouTube in the car, that's fine. But I said, But don't come running to me when you run out of data. That's right. You know, um, you've you've gotta you've gotta manage how you use it. Uh, and you know what I picked his phone up the other day. He thought he was being clever because his iPad has been upgraded to iPhone twelve beta, so I have the uh, you know, the parental monitoring on there that comes with iPhone, iPad 12, with iPhone iOS twelve. So he thought he has been clever because he's not being used his iPad, he's been using his phone. Um, and basically, I see him in his room, and he sat there on his phone playing Fortnite, and all of those sort of things. So I picked it up the other day, and I opened up the settings and I had a look and you know in the battery area it 'll actually tell you which app 's been using all the data yep all the not all the data all the all the power all oh, the power and it and it does it for seven days, but things you press a, you press a, the um an icon in there and then it tells you how long those apps have been running, yeah. <laughs> So then we totted it up, and basically Fortnite and Clash Royale had used about, uh, between them, about 18 hours over the last week. Yeah, and then YouTube had used the same amount again. And I said, look, this basically says you've spent more than a working week on your phone in the last week. Yeah, more than 37 hours, just either playing games or watching YouTube on your phone. This This is not enough. This is not good enough you know how, the, how they how they respond yep they, but they you know he thought it was being clever the stat but the stats were still there
0: Hmm. I just went so, through that, and here's my top five, one of them I'm going to have to turn off because i it's only for demonstration purposes, but most of this is work related Messages yeah. used twenty three percent of my battery power in the last seven days. Kindle used ten percent. So you can tell I read a lot on my phone. Yeah. Scout GPS link used 9%. That's a a GPS system that Toyota uses for non-integrated navigation units. Mm -hmm. Chrome used 8% and Connect, which is a work-related CRM, used 7%. Phone was 5% tied with camera, notes, and my calculator. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So mine is... um 22% 22% Safari, 16% Unread, which is uh, an RSS reader, so that and that's what I, I do on my phone a lot, and then also 12% is Apollo, which is a Reddit reader, uh, and then uh, 9% Overcast, Podcasts, 8% Mail, 4% Phone, which surprises me, but I guess I was away a lot last week, so yeah. So yeah, you know, you could, this this kind of tells you what you do on your phone.
0: Yeah, I just Annoy- went in into Scout GPS link and turned location off, except for when in use. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's why would it need your location when, when you're not using it?
0: Uh, so when you launch it, it's a lot faster, because it already knows where you are. Right. It's all about, it doesn't have to spend another three seconds locating you before it starts giving you relevant information. And three seconds to five seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but if you just plugged into your car and you're sitting there for five seconds waiting for something to happen just to locate where you are before you can do anything that does that's quality of, of life type of just sitting that's there sure. waiting in yep. it and heaven forbid you're in a debt in a area that you're not getting great reception. So mm-hmm. it could take even longer, but if it's been refreshing in the background constantly, even in a, place where you're not getting great cell reception or satellite reception it already knows where you are because it's been updating it the whole time so there are reasons to have stuff like that running in the background but i don't use scout gps except for demonstration purposes only in vehicles yeah um but i am so looking forward to ios 12 and be able to use google maps and uh other navigation software in my car that because i hate apple maps i just do
1: of course, I, I guess the downside of that is that um, they they may allow that capability, but won't Google have to do something to enable Google yes. Maps integration? Yeah. So let's they, just will. hope that they do it.
0: Of course they will. Why wouldn't they?
1: Because it, it, it they think any... a bit squirrely about, about supporting no,
0: competitors' no. products. They, they've always supported the phone, the iPhone because it's a big revenue generator for them. Huge. So they'll they'll have it in in ways as well. They'll upgrade their stuff almost immediately. I'm sure they've already done it. They're just waiting to push it live until iOS 12 goes live. Um, of course, it might already. Maybe they've already upgraded it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. If you're running a beta, a beta, you might want to check to see if it's. Well, I don't functional. have.
1: I don't have CarPlay, um, and I don't have the beta on my phone. I have it on my iPad. Hmm. Yeah, so. Um.
0: That being said, I think you can go into CarPlay and settings. Uh, Let me see CarPlay.
1: I don't know. Well, I doubt I can do that on my iPad. The iPad doesn't support CarPlay, does it?
0: The iPad? Uh, I think it does actually. CarPlay is in general. Um, Yeah. See, it's already showing me the cars that I've been. I want to forget this car. Yep. The new Toyota Avalon has CarPlay, so it's linked to that.
1: Yeah, well, see. Uh No, apparently the, uh, cert- well, certainly back in 2016, the iPad, no saying here as well, no build of iPad or, iPad or iPod Touch will work with CarPlay. Hmm. So I will have to wait till iOS 12 comes out on my phone, which will only be a couple of weeks because the uh, the year is starting to close and we know that Apple normally has a iPhone event.
0: That is in true. Sometime in September. Yep. Hmm. It's, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so we do want to thank our sponsor, MacSales.com. Uh, they got, you know, this whole thing where you can configure your computer that they're selling uh, pre-owned. They've got right now Apple MacBooks, early 2016 and early 2015s. So you can get an early 2016 MacBook, Apple MacBook, not a MacBook Pro, not a MacBook Air, just a MacBook for 997. Um eight gigabytes RAM, half a terabyte SSD storage, and you can configure it. You can go in there and say, hey, I want I want this. So for instance, I go in there, it's nine ninety nine right now. Uh if I want space gray, it changes it by hundred bucks. Rose gold changes it by eighty bucks. Uh, I want to go from a one point two to a one point three gigahertz processor. Now that's going from an M5 to an M7, so it might be worth it. That'd be yeah. eighty bucks. Um, storage and RAM you can't change, but you can go in here and configure this thing. Let's say I want a space gray with the well. See, I can't go down to the smaller processor at that point. Oh yeah, I yeah.
1: They they, I, well, it's it's uh, it will obviously be to do with what specific machines yep. they've got in stock. So if they haven't got a if they haven't got a space gray with the small, smaller processor, you won't be able to change that. But um, to be honest with you, at this sort of money um i i had i had the one point three m seven uh, and um you know it was pretty good for an m seven um at this sort of money though the 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 killer on that is that you 're getting the um five hundred twelve gig SSD, which is is hugely important particularly on a machine like this where it's you not only can you not upgrade it but because the uh, macbook only has one port on right. it you can't really if you're charging at something like that it 's kind of difficult to use a um uh, a thumb drive or anything like that so have to, to kind of you know give yourself a bit of extra space for media and stuff like that. Um, but you know that's a pretty sweet price for a for a half a terabyte SSD MacBook.
0: It is, and yeah. if you're going to buy a MacBook like this, get as much storage as you can afford because yeah. you're not upgrading it. It's not going to be upgradable. so <laughs> get what you can afford. Uh, yeah. I when I was running Mac Specialist and I would talk to customers occasionally in the store retail customers a lot of it was which one of these should i get should i get this one or should i get this one or maybe that over there and i would always tell people or should i here's the big question or should i wait because i heard apple's going to have an event this september what mm. is it is, is this a bad time to upgrade um here's the best time to upgrade when you need to upgrade <laughs> Do not sit there and wait because I hear that Apple's coming out with this or I hear that Apple's coming out with that. The big news this week, of course, with Apple has been, by the way, thanks to MacSales.com for sponsoring this episode. Um, OWC, it's MacSales.com. Go to MyMac.com or TechFanPodcast.com. Click the link over to uh, MacSales and buy something for us. Uh, The big news is that Apple is upgrading the Mac Mini. And it's going to be more of a prosumer type of device, and they're wow. also going to have a new MacBook that's more of an entry-level MacBook.
1: Well, the problem with the problem with those rumors is, first of all, they are rumors; sure. they're not confirmed by Apple. Apple never confirms rumors. So, right. going back to your customer coming in their store is a case of, well, I hear a rumor. It's like, well, yeah, well, that might happen. It might not happen. And if That's it does right. happen, that doesn't mean that it's going to be something that fits your requirements.
0: Or it's so going to be significantly now. faster than what's out yeah, there right now.
1: Exactly. So, you have a need now. You should buy now. But, but, yeah, the other thing is that actually, my reading of the information, the, of the hard information that came out from those rumors, the stuff that you could kind of take as, well, yeah, if this is true, then this is the true bit, is just that they're going to update the Mac Mini and the MacBook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a lot of people have layered a lot of expectation and their own personal requirements on top of that news to try and suggest that other things are happening that may or may not happen.
0: Well, but I, I this mean, is coming from a, a fairly reputable source that well, yeah, do not provide get me wrong. details, but they did say this is going to be the focus of this product moving forward.
1: But that source, Mark German, um, he if you look at his track record, he normally gets the headlines
0: right, but often fails a lot on the details. Well, he didn't so. give very many details in this. That exactly. was one of the issues. It's like, well, no, but, you know, do you have details? Nope, no details.
1: I, I struggle with this because, frankly, I think Apple's laptop line, in terms of the way it's organized, is currently such a mess.
0: Oh, yeah, it's I not don't,
1: I don't see how they can sort it out to be honest they've got eight well they effective. can
0: if they start cutting some products and I think yeah. it, go back to when Steve Jobs unveiled when he first took back control of Apple he had a pyramid tree for Macs and it was four products a consumer laptop the MacBook a pro laptop the MacBook Pro actually I think it was the it was the,
1: i-book. the These were the iBooks the and, power and the PowerBook and, yeah. Yeah.
0: and then of course the iMac for consumers, desktop, and the Power Mac for pros. Yeah, that was it. Now you can configure each one of those products differently, but essentially you had four SKUs, four top-level SKUs. Yeah, that's where Apple needs to get back to. They really do. Yep. and they keep adding stuff and then keeping the old stuff around too long. It's just confusing and. They are not upgrading their computer hardware nearly quickly enough to reflect changes in technology and what people really want to be spending their money on. Uh, Some people will say that that's kind of an outgrowth of the popularity of the iPhone, that that's that's what's generating money, so that's what they're going to be upgrading soon. But I personally think that's a little bit short-sighted on Apple's part. Um, And I think the declining sales recently kind of on the Mac side is kind of indicative of a wrong-headed approach. you, you got to yeah. clarify the product line.
1: I, I, the problem I have is that is to sort their line out, they're going to have to basically eat a fair amount of crow, and this is something that I don't think Apple is good at at the moment. So, because effectively what they need to do, is they need to replace the MacBook Air at thousand dollars yep. with something with something equivalent but more modern, yep. right? But the problem is you put too much into that and it starts encroaching on the higher cost products like the twelve inch MacBook. So you then have to say, right, well, do we cut the twelve inch MacBook? Well, that means a bit in a failure. And then a lot of the things that are in th- that were on the twelve inch MacBook design have been stuff that's been filtered through to the higher end machines. And so if you cut the twelve inch MacBook. Are you perhaps saying that some of the things in the higher-end machines, like the keyboards, like the ports, the USB-C, are are bad ideas? And if you're not careful, you end up – to try and rationalize the line, you end up making a whole load of computers that actually a lot of people don't want.
0: And that's where we're at right now. That's why I say they need to stabilize that. Instead of framing it as, hey, it was a mistake that we did it, you come out and say, here's our new product line. We're scaling uh, according to customer demand. So we have essentially two laptops, a consumer and a pro, and they both come in different sizes, a 12, 13, and a 15, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then on the desktop side, we have three machines. We have
1: an entry-level
0: iMac that goes all the way up to a pro, a, a, a Mac Mini, which is a prosumer, and the Mac Pro. Which is, uh, you know, the high end stuff. Yeah, it's not difficult.
1: No, um, it's just this is this is Apple we're talking about, and we know they've well historically not really done this. You know, that used to be quite regular for them to cut whole product lines and to say, "Well, we've replaced it
0: with something new." Well, that's when they had leadership who were willing to uh, do that. They don't have that yeah. anymore. Yeah, it seems so like I it's being know. run by committee rather than a strong one. Strong leader. And I, don't, I, I, I think like it's Tim being, Cook, but
1: yeah, I think I think it's being run with too much of an eye on the spreadsheet. To be honest, you know, um, yep. and I, I I appreciate obviously Apple needs to make money, but by the same token, they are the literally the richest company on the planet. They're yep. sat in a huge pile of cash, yeah, and it just sometimes I I just wish they would not completely focus on the margins and the you know, average sales price and everything like, and just say, well, let's, let's get, let's get back to what we think it should be and then improve it from there. Absolutely.
0: Um, You know, let's, uh, jump ahead, um, to our Wikipedia. Okay. We call it wiki trolling. And this is a fun one because this is a product that I bet you had. Maybe I know I I, you did. I, I definitely had one. Oh, I love this thing. It was so cool when I had it. Um, and the software on the Mac side. I'm not sure about the Windows side. You could probably speak to that, but the software on the Mac side that worked with this was awesome. It was so much better than anything else that was available on the Mac. Yeah, it was the, the same
1: it was the same with the Windows. They so, really had it down.
0: Oh, uh, it was so good. So this is the Palm Pilot. Now, the one we're looking at is the second generation Palm PDA. And it was this little meta- metallic gray device with a green screen that you could write on in this little box at the bottom of the screen with their proprietary, almost a cursive type of writing that just worked extremely well. They looked at what Newton had done in the past with hardware recognition and they improved it tenfold. Um, I don't think us robotics really gets enough credit for how much better their handwriting. I think they did at the time. But looking back, uh, I think looking back, there's a lot of nostalgia for the Newton and not as much for the Palm. But for everything that the Newton did well, the Palm was 10 times better. It just was. And remember, oh, I yeah. was a Mac user at the time. I was an Apple old guy. And I still bought the Palm over the Newton. Not because of the price, although that did have something to do with it. Because the Palm Pilot was 200 bucks mm-hmm. with the upgrade kit. Um, it, it was just a better device, David.
1: It was. It. I mean, the. the I, first of all, I'd I'd argue we wouldn't have the iPhone today if we hadn't had the Palm Pilot. I think it was hugely influential on how you do PDA. Yep. And you know, you look at the the screen on a on a Palm Pilot, and you think it looks like the first iPhone. It kind of does. It, it was. It, yeah. The the brilliant. Yeah. The brilliance of that was first of all they. They realised that people didn't want to spend a lot of money on a PDA. So they really built it down to you know, pared it down to the bare essentials of what you needed to do, but then refined those. Yeah, yeah. The beauty of of the of the Palm Pilot was, first of all, yes, the input recognition system, graffiti was very clever because it worked. Yeah, because basically you didn't. <clears throat> it took you. It took you about half an hour to learn it
0: because yeah? it was just it, an extension of the English letters.
1: Yeah, exactly. It just modified things to allow the computer to recognize some letters more easily. Yeah. Um, and because it was it was refined to a single area, the um, processor didn't have to do as much work as it did with the new <coughs> where, it, where you right. could write anywhere. Um, and then what they did is they put all the essential applications you needed on there um, and then wrote really good synchronization software. And the beauty of the Palm Pilot was that it came with a Cradle, connected to your computer and as soon as you put it on the cradle it just synced your contacts your calendar um your uh all all the stuff you needed your notes and everything it just syncs it straight away you didn't even need to press a button as soon as you put it on it synced them and it was because it was only syncing that little bit of data it was quick
0: yeah it was very quick i still i still had my cradle to my palm pilot up until about a year ago yeah I finally and you could, tossed it. You I was could like, what have I got this for
1: yeah you could leave it on the cradle that meant it was always charged and then when you got up to go somewhere you took it with you and it had, and that meant uh, you a had phenomenal that stuff battery life yeah exactly because it was using a green screen yep um you know uh, kind of a, a, the old uh, you know what i i miss that technology when it was done really well um that that simple monochrome lcd was so readable oh
0: yeah absolutely yeah?
1: And and sometimes I do wish the modern devices kind of went back to that a little bit more because I I'm sure if you applied modern technology to so that nowadays you could get up something that, that well you remember the original um, the original Apple portable uh, Macintosh portable used that and it was it was an amazing screen yep. uh, because it was really expensive back then but nowadays if you could do that you could have really good low power screens without necessarily needing to go to the limitations of e ink uh, anyway I digress so. Yeah, the battery la- the battery lasted days. Um you had all your, your contacts on there. You had all your um all your notes and everything like that. You could easily make new notes, sync them to your computer. And vice uh, versa.
0: And- you could Yeah. For me it was about the Palm software my when I stopped using my Palm Pilot and I don't remember why I stopped, but I did. I still used the Palm software on my desktop because it was so good. It was a better much better calendaring app than what Apple had at the time. Yeah. Uh the contact list was it was phenomenal. It was great software. It really was.
1: Yeah, it really really it really was good stuff. Um and uh and also you could put third-party applications on there easily. So very yep. quickly the, uh, you know again much like the iPhone, very quickly third-party apps started appearing and there was some really really great stuff on there.
0: There were some fun games on there. I remember yeah. games on the Palm Pilot were phenomenal. There was a snake yeah. game that I was just completely addicted to for a while. And it worked really well with the stylus. Yeah, it's funny when you look at w- w- what this thing was. It, <laughs> it had one megabyte of RAM. One megabyte. Yep. It was crazy. Yeah, it's n- it's nothing, but yet it worked.
1: Yeah, it was. It was really. I think the first one I had was the um, was the three conversion, the Palm Three. Yep. Good. Well, the problem with Palm, as well, was that this is a, a company with great technology, massive success, that made some really bad decisions and sold to some really bad
0: people. Actually, I think you the know? the one you had was the one that would charge on the cradle. Yeah. This one, it actually used two AAA batteries, so it didn't charge. But right. the two okay. triple A batteries would last for months in this thing. It seemed like it it, would turn itself off too, if you didn't do anything after a little bit of time. So it would conserve its battery power and it was instant on. You turn it on and it was on. And this thing only weighed 160 grams, 5.6 ounces, just nothing. You can even feel it in your pocket, but here's the thing. When you had it in your hand and you were holding that stylus, it was a quality product. It felt good in your hand. It really did. The screen lent itself really well for viewing and then the writing part was just effortless. It was just, it just worked. It, it felt like a, a really precise um, device <laughs> they rhyme, that worked the way you thought it should work. And that's what I kind of miss about older technology. When things work the way you think they should work, it was, yeah. had an intuitiveness that a lot of current technology simply don't have. Yeah. they're not very intuitive.
1: I tell you, I don't I don't have one of these anymore, but I do have its spiritual successor, which is the HP Pre, mm-hmm. which was the phone they did after it went to HP. Um and and it died, unfortunately, the 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 product died, the product line died. But I tell you, the um even today the Pre is a pretty use, usable phone and it has that same um feel to it in terms of how you use the software. It's very very intuitive. Much more intrusive than than Apple or Android. Yeah. Um, It really was. It's a shame it it didn't succeed,
0: but it was really, really good. So three cheers to the um, Palm Pilot. It was a great product at the time. U.S. Robotics was a very innovative company. Of course, they got bought out by HP. Uh, They got spun back out as their own company, but they didn't have, at that point, uh, U.S. Robotics, they didn't take the Palm anything with them. Yeah. Uh the palm of course matured and became webOS uh which powered HP's entry into telephones and tablets which of course failed. Yeah. Um mostly not because of the software itself because of HP. Because of yeah. HP. Um I remember I had that first HP touchpad the first yeah. the only and it was a it was a generation behind the iPad at the time, but I could clearly see this could catch up very quickly. There, there was yeah. so much promise there. And U.S. Robotics got spun off into a uh, – or were, were purchased by a Chinese company who has now respun spun them off as their own company in the Chicagoland area where they started, where they had always been. So they're still in business. U.S. Robotics is less than 150 people work there. They still make modems. Because re- that's kind of what I think most people think of when they think of U.S. robotics now. They make yeah. a they, they they made modems and stuff like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. They still do. Um, one of these days, we'll have to uh, drive over to Chicago and go visit U.S. robotics and see what they're doing. Okay, not. <laughs> <laughs> it would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah. Just go absolutely. knock on the door of some of these companies that used to be a big deal and they're still in business, but yeah. nobody us- knows it. Yeah, tell us what you do now. Mm-hmm. Show us around. You got a history yeah. here. I mean, let's let's talk about it. That'd be fun, actually. Yeah, it would. Um, that might be something that we want to look at in the future. Maybe a, a segment once every couple of months where we talk to somebody at a company that people remember but don't realize they're still out there, like Cork. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Cork. They were such assholes.
1: <laughs>
0: they well, really may, were.
1: maybe they've got over that now.
0: So we do have a piece of. Uh, uh, feedback we should get to before we wrap up. Do you want to we read should. this one? Yeah.
1: So this is uh, from Steve Stavisky. He goes, "Hey Tim, I had an iPhone five for a time that had a broken power button, and the only way I could use it was turn and turn on Assistive Touch in Settings General Accessibility." Apparently, this was a widespread hardware failure of the 5 Series as I found the solution online when searching when searching for the parts to fix the phone.
0: Stop there for a second. That was definitely a widespread problem because Brittany's phone that I had to pay off that I talked about at the beginning of the show, yep. the phone I had to pay off was a replacement for her iPhone 5. So she definitely had the SE because she wanted uh, basically yeah. the same phone. She had the problem.
1: I've heard on, on that that apparently in China... I don't know whether this is still the case but for a long time they would sell you the phone with that thing turned on and people deliberately avoided using the home button because yep. they were worried about it breaking.
0: Yep, I, I anyway, read that too. Yeah. Uh,
1: so going back to the feedback. Anyway, says Steve, one of the features you get with assistive Touch is the ability to take screenshots with two taps. The AT interface is a translucent button on your screen. You tap it and it brings up several options, one of which is a screenshot. I've found this so handy that I've kept AT Assistive technology or assistive touch on after upgrading to newer phones i take a lot of screenshots not what the overlords at infinite loop intended but pretty good functionality for everyone now I this is that.
0: yeah i did not know this either um i'm gonna have to look into it because that's kind of cool yeah brooke has assistant touch on her phone turned on and it drives me crazy you can move it around the screen the edge of the screen get it out of the way But I always find it annoying because it always seems to be right where I need to do something on her phone. I'm like, ugh, stupid thing. Um, But I didn't realize that there was even more functionality built into it than is readily apparent. And, of course, this is in response to uh, the Galaxy phone or the Note phone that she shook it to take a screenshot. Or, no, she waved her hand over the screen to take a snapshot, which I found intuitively fantastic. It was just like, that's awesome. That's a really good use of... Technology that Apple should totally copy. I, yeah, I heard you I, just took a.
1: S- I, I, I'm just just playing with it now. it's um, Certainly under iOS 11, it's really, really good. The thing pops up and you can customize what then comes up. So, yeah, screenshot really easy to so, add that so on. So,
0: where is it? It's under. Oh, I gotta, s- it's
1: uh, Settings General Accessibility.
0: Se- settings uh, General. Where the heck is General? I see general
1: Right at the top Oh, um, oh top settings, the, yeah, 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 yeah Yeah, settings yeah. general General is like the top of the third thing down Yep Accessibility And then in there you go into Scroll down screen Assistive touch is most of the way down there Assistive then, touch? Assistive touch, yeah
0: Okay, so turn it on And then you get this little box That appears wow, on the screen Wow, that is kind of cool Yeah and, and see so you can move you things. can move that where you want it yeah uh, and then it has has some menus as well it is
1: <laughs> I might use this <laughs>
0: i might huh. use this so where is uh taking a screenshot?
1: right so what i did was i uh i in the settings i edited the uh-huh. um yeah i went i went into um customized top level menu and then I replaced the Siri thing with the screenshot.
0: Oh, so you gotta go back into settings to do that. Yeah. Customized top level menu.
1: Yep, that's the one. Yeah I don't need Siri. You can do there.
0: I want Screen Ooh, what a shake. I don't want shake. Screenshot. Yeah. That's awesome. Ooh. Um screenshot, home, control center, custom. Custom I want it to be um Oh, I want to lock the screen screen rotation. That's awesome. Oh, that is so much better. Yeah. And screenshot. Yep, and perfect. I like that. Well, I'm going to leave it on just to see if I can get past it kind of annoyingly sitting on top of everything. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might work. I'm going to have to try it. Steve, thanks very much. My daughter's uh, use of this is, and her intelligence level, is restored. Because <laughs> I always thought it was stupid, why I have that up there.
1: Rebuilding relationships
0: right. with your daughter. That's right. Yeah. And you know, here's the other thing. Hmm. Does it work on the lock screen? Yes, it does. Hmm. Home. Home doesn't do anything.
1: Yeah, You'll probably have to unlock it first.
0: Yeah. Well, I, what I was trying to think of is if I moved up to the iPhone X type platform, uh, is that the phone you're using, the X to X?
1: No, I've got an 8 Plus.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, and I got it because of the price and the home button. But the more I look at customers' iPhone Xs, it really is a much better screen. It really yeah. is. I mean, it's so much better so uh, i like the home button but we'll see i was hoping that maybe this would allow me to replace the home button but it doesn't look like it really does with that david let's wrap up this episode of tech fan uh steve thanks very much um you've got me playing with my iphone again that's always a good thing i paid a lot of money for this thing i want to learn new things about it uh david next week good for you
1: uh, yes, yeah, should be. And right. next week, I want to talk about my new Surface Go, which arrived just the other day.
0: Awesome. I want to learn all so about it.
1: So I'm hoping to get a good amount of time mess around with it this week and uh, give you my impressions.
0: We do welcome your feedback, just like Steve sent us. It's the show at techfampodcast.com or simply go to techfampodcast.com or mymac.com and leave a comment. And uh, the dogs already started walking in here because they can tell I'm wrapping up the show. It's, the dogs <laughs> are so smart. Yeah. Um, it's funny when I st- when I hit stop and I take the headphones off, they get up. I'm like, okay, we can go do stuff now. <laughs> it's really weird. Of course, yeah. I've been doing this their entire life. Yeah. Uh, next Sunday, so don't look for a show on Friday, folks. It's going to be next Sunday, just like it was this week, because I have to work Friday. I am uh, I'm busy. So see you Sunday, David. See you then. <laughs>